Today's program is brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons, third-generation cure masters producing the country's best dry-cured and aged hams, bacon, and sausage. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sharp and Hot. I am your host, Chef Emily Peterson, broadcasting to you live from Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This is episode number 78. It is a gray April day outside in Bushwick, Brooklyn, but spring is on its way. As I was walking to the university where I teach this morning, there are trees leafing out along Washington Square Park. Yeah, the crocus are up. Absolutely beautiful. That's good. How mm-hmm. are you, Anne? My All producer, right. Anne Hogan, with me in the studio. <laughs> and I want to start at the top of the show with a gift that I have for you. Oh, all right. <laughs> Exciting. I, uh, this is a long time coming, but I got I got this for you. And you can describe to the listeners okay. what I'm handing to Guys, you. do you ever feel like I do this a lot? Like I have to do like, <laughs> like the description of the of the blind thing. Okay, hold on. I'm opening the box. It's small. Oh <laughs> so cool. Guys, I got awesome new sharp and hot business cards with my Nate. This is so cool. I, it only took me like six months to get them to you, but oh. I was finally like I need the, I need to make this official. So. Guys, I wish that I wasn't wrapped up in, in headphones. I want to give you a big <laughs> we'll hug. Look at virtual hugs. Hey, virtual hugs. hugs. Now, I also cool. had like I had to check the uh, the the like proof thing 10,000 times. I'm almost positive your number and your email address are correct, but it would be right in line with something I would do to mistype something. Perfect. Oh, absolutely. Hooray. Perfect. Hooray. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So, so I want to cool. talk about, um, I want to talk about something that came up this weekend that I need your, I need your help on. And okay. I, if the listeners want to chime in on this, I would love to hear some responses from uh-huh. them as well. Um, I had a delightful Easter invite and brunch, late late lunch, dinnery type. There was lamb and there was rice and it was lovely. And um, I, it was a friends of my family. Okay. And there was a very very long table set up, and it, I was at one far end of the table, and then everybody was sort of spread out. You know how tables look, right? right. So people sit down <laughs> seen, on chairs. I've seen a couple of tables <laughs> in my day. So I was at one end, and there was uh, there was not. Um, no drinking happening, but it was a cheerful okay. event. And so we had some rosé and I was talking about um, butchering turtles because one of the people who was sitting down by me has given me turtle meat in the past because okay. he was trying to clear them out of a pond that was on his property and he didn't want them to eat all the baby duck eggs because he'd rather have the wild birds than an overrun of turtles. Okay. So he had given me a bunch and we were talking about the process of like, <clears throat> what is it like to cook a turtle, which I'd never done before. Okay. There are photographs up on uh, Sharp and Hot from a while ago, but their bone structure is completely different. They're totally foreign. Like they yeah, don't, I mean, I can, there's no I like frame imagine. of reference of mm-hmm. what a turtle looks like mm-hmm. or how to handle it. And I had nobody in the kitchen with me now. So I was sort of re- regaling them with the story of this. Okay. The story gets interrupted by the other end of the table, and okay. someone says, Emily, remind me again what you think about truffle oil. Mm. And without thinking, I said what I my kind of canned answer is, right. well, 99.9% of what you get is made on the Jersey Turnpike in the same fragrance <laughs> factories that are making like Clinique's happy. Right, right, right. Okay. Well, that did not go over so well. 
and not the person asking the question, but the person who was talking up their love. I think I didn't, I wasn't privy to that conversation. So you're not, okay, let me, let's just set this up. So you're not hearing the other conversation at the end of it. You're talking turtles. I'm talking turtles. And then I hear, tell me again, tell me again. Uh, Okay. Sounds suspicious. It was, I was like, I felt a little trapped, entrapped. Okay. But I don't remember ever having had a conversation about truffle oil with this particular person. And I, I have no idea. I can't guess what happened. But the person who was talking up their love of truffle oil, mm. who uh, was absolutely sweet, gave my son a, an adorable uh, Easter basket without any prompting, just like came to this party. And, prior like, to prior, your yes, detail prior to the, on She did not go and okay. yank it out of his hand. Okay, though, which okay, all right. Okay. But I, you know, I really felt like I've been, I've been really stewing on this ever since because mm-hmm. I felt um, bad. Like my initial feeling was like, oh my God, I have to go in there and apologize. Like I feel really awful that I made someone feel bad ultimately. And mm. okay, go ahead. so my, my question is, or what I've been sort of batting around is as the, you know, on this show, we answer home cooks questions. That's okay. sort of one of the things that I really enjoy doing is making, never making people feel dumb. Right. So you can ask me anything about food and cooking and I will give you my most honest, straightforward answer. And if I don't know the answer, I will seek out an expert who will. Okay. And I feel like there needs to be some sort of unspoken or maybe maybe this is the opportunity to make it explicitly spoken that if you are a question asker, mm-hmm. you have to respect the answer given, but respect's the wrong word. You have to not get your feelings hurt if you don't like the answer that you're given. Okay. Here's the thing. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Thank you. You can keep the business cards. That was a test. <laughs> that was a test. Amazing. Um, well, I, just okay so here's my thing though i don't think that you did anything wrong in this instance to me i feel like even the person that you're thinking that you offended the person who's really into the truffle oil to me as a person would almost kind of see through the other person who asked the question kind of sends a little baiting i'm i'm I don't, I don't know. know. I don't want to like. I may. I have. I honestly. Maybe, I have maybe no I'm idea. thinking too. And you know, too her argument. It. She said, "Well, I get mine from France." The, my my okay. thought was, <laughs> the same com- country that came up with perfumes. You know, I didn't say that part out loud, but it was like that's that's like such an American thing to rely on. Like, well, it came from Europe. Like, well, right. the only reason that Carlo Petrini started Slow Food is because we brought McDonald's over there. Right. It doesn't it, like there's not there. I I just it made me feel like. I, how do you articulate bad news when people ask you about food things that they love, that are expensive, that are, you know, all of these things. And the answer is, well, it's, you can love it, but don't pay a premium price for it. Because even if, let's say you could get your hands on a white truffle in season, you are in Alba. Okay. You still should use that item within three or four days. Right. Even if you were to shave it and put it into olive oil yourself to like make your own infused oil, Mm -hmm. you should still use it within three or four days. And this idea of like extending, I don't know if it's extending the growing season or there are huge class issues that are obviously involved because truffles carry such a premium price. Right. So entrepreneurial scent manufacturers thought, hey, we can isolate that mushroom mm-hmm. compound, mm-hmm. whip it up in with some other porcini things. And if you look at the ingredients label on a mushroom, a bottle of truffle oil, it says white truffle essence. Right. Which right. is like code for acetyl diethylene or whatever. It, and there is a chemical name for it. I think that you're abs- I mean, I think you have an opinion on it. I think, you know, if you're if you're giving someone advice on something that maybe you feel is 
could be, you know, maybe put them off or you feel like, oh, maybe I wouldn't want to apologize for that. I think just saying like, hey, you know what, for me, I think this is what makes sense. But, you know, you do you. Like, you like it. I just, that's my understanding of it. Right. And I guess the pact is she didn't ask the question. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Right, right, right. Well, I felt like I'm sure your friend didn't mean to like... I hope. I sure hope. <laughs> We're gonna have to have a long conversation about the state of our friendship. If so, no, no, I don't think so at all. I just, you know, I, there are things that I am highly opinionated about, and analog foods are one of them. As you know, as you, as know, you know, as my vegetarian, tried producer. to take me down, but you know what? Hey, I have my opinions. To- <laughs> I t- and it's like uh, I, I don't know. Okay, so I think that we have resolved it. I. I can send an apology note. I want to send a thank you for my kids' Easter basket anyway and just say, hey, and I hope... I hope I didn't put you off truffle oil for actually I kind of but I but I do hope I put you off truffle oil. Yeah. Seek out the real thing or seek out something that's equally delicious or enjoy or maybe, it while it's in season. Maybe or, one time we'll have to get together and seek out some some other truffle. I don't know. We'll seek out some know. some other thing together. <laughs> maybe that sounds awful. I don't want to do. Yeah, that. we're gonna have to, to <laughs> dissect this further <laughs> off air. My husband, my husband was like, if the table had been slightly narrower i would have given you a very sharp kick to the shins for mm. not reading the room but i was like la, 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 la. so i think it's a learning lesson for me too to make sure i read the room and like listen to what the question asker is asking opposed to the person who wants the answer right, or didn't right, ask for right. an answer there you go. and i say that as someone who had um fast food french fries this weekend so i'm not above <laughs> it like i'm totally not above it but i did not put truffle oils on it really so okay. that being said, um, we have with us in the studio the great chef Elizabeth Carmel, who has been and I meant I should have asked you off air, Carmel or Carmel? Carmel, Carmel. Okay, you um, did it right. I got it right the first time, but then I immediately second guessed myself because I butcher names, no pun intended, on a regular basis. Well, Even, you did a better job than ninety nine point nine percent of the people. So. Thank you. I want you to know I'm going to announce next week's upcoming guest, and I have written it out phonetically in large letters. That's good. <laughs> so, Chef Elizabeth, you are here because you have started a new home delivery barbecue online Online barbecue shack. So this may be the very first online barbecue shack. I'm so excited to hear this because we crave barbecue. My husband will travel for barbecue. His sister has lived in Alabama. We have gone to like, you know, huts in the woods for good barbecue. And to hear that there is a place on the Internet now that we can have that delivered to us. Tell me about your the genesis of this project. Well, I grew up in North Carolina, but I just spent the last 10 years popularizing Texas-style barbecue, right? In New York City. In New York City. Um, And I adore Texas-style barbecue. It's great. Um, And the great thing about it is in Texas, they basically smoke every kind of meat available. Um, In North Carolina, it's limited to the pig. Is there a reason behind that? Or just history? You know what? Barbecue is all about history. So, you know, back in the day, it was about the indigenous wood, the indigenous animals, you know, what was left over and available. And so Texas barbecue got started with beef, but um, because they're such a meat-centric state, you know, they expanded to, um, you know, to pigs and to uh, to chickens, and, and because they're German... They used what was left over to make sausages. So it's, you know, it's a very varied 
kind of barbecue. Okay. So when you say they're German, you mean like from the heritage, from the 1860s, there was German settlement, or 1820s, whatever. American history is, I love it, but my numbers are not great. Yes, right, right. (laughs) So the, the Germans came over, they settled in Texas, and they did what Germans did. And they most, a lot of them were butchers. And they made, you know, what we refer to today as, you know, charcuterie and sausages and stuff. And so they did that in a limited way in Texas. And in North Carolina, pigs were a huge crop, um, as was tobacco. And um, in eastern North Carolina, at the end of the tobacco harvest, there would be a tradition where they would take one of the pigs, and it just so happened that the tobacco harvest and the, um, the, the time of year where the pigs were big enough to bring to market. That's a nice way to say it. Right, right. right. Okay. <laughs> happened to coincide. It was at the same time of year. And so they would celebrate the end of the tobacco harvest with a pig picking, and that means whole hog. And, um, and then that's the eastern part of the state of North Carolina. On the western part of the state of North Carolina, they would use mostly shoulders or Boston butts to make their barbecue. So actually, in North Carolina, it's all pig, but um, it's divided by the western part of the state and the eastern part of the state as to what part of the animal that you use. Okay. And um, the really cool thing about carolinatogo.com is that not only is it an online barbecue shack, so no matter where you live, you can have it delivered to, um, to your house, but I have mashed up the best of what I think North Carolina has to offer. And I grew up in the western part of the state. So, you know, I thought that was the best barbecue I ever had <laughs> until I realized, oh, my God, I can have whole hog and then use my signature sauce, which is um, a little bit more complex and a little bit more nuanced in the western part of the state. Is it a mustard-based sauce? No, it's still vinegar-based sauce. Okay. But... And my particular sauce is more complex than what you mostly get in the state because it has three kinds of peppers, two kinds of sugar, apple cider vinegar instead mm. of distilled vinegar, and ketchup. Oh, okay. So the real difference between the western and the eastern is the color. Okay. So it's a, it's a red color. Okay. But it's, it's very piquant. It's very, it tastes like vinegar, and it is so delicious because it just cuts through the richness of the pork. It doesn't mask the flavor of the barbecue. It just enhances it. It's so good. So Carolina Q to Go is a mashup of Eastern whole hog and Western style sauce. So even if you live Mm. in North Carolina, you can't get a facsimile of Carolina Q to Go. All right. So... People go onto the website, which I have in front of me, and it's like your virtual storefront. Right? Yes. It so, is. how much lead time do people need if you want to have Carolina Q for dinner? Or do you like if it's a larger order? Is it like ordering from any catering company? Like, how no, does it work? Just one or two days. One really? or two days. And great. Um, you can choose to either have it shipped two day air or overnight. In New York, the really cool thing is that if you choose ground, it actually gets there in one day. Oh, so, wow. oh, wow. So I can ship you an entire pig picking, you know, for eight to ten people and on up for less than what it costs me to send my nephew a gift from New York City to Westchester County. Oh, wow. wow. That's so incredible. Cool. So when you said pig picking, you've already cleaned the meat? So yes. does it come shrink-wrapped? It comes, it comes in a... Um, 
tamper-resistant one-pound, which is a pint, container, frozen. Now, how much work went into the science of how you were going to ship this? I imagine it was a yeah. big deal to like... Oh, my God. It was a huge deal. <laughs> well, because I'm a really great consumer. I'm a consumer of all things. And, great consumer. And so I want anything that I do to be at my standards as a consumer. So a lot of barbecue restaurants ship the barbecue themselves out of their restaurant. So it's almost like getting a frozen delivery of whatever they would send, you know, give to you in the restaurant, which is okay, but it's not as pristine as, you know, this is going into a blast freezer immediately. So I take the whole hog, I smoke it over hickory wood for about 12 to 14 hours, then it is hand-pulled off the carcass. It is um, then chopped and seasoned with my sauce while it's still warm, and that's extremely important. That's how I would do it for you if you came to my house, because then the warm meat absorbs that wonderful vinegar sauce, and like so every single bite is perfectly seasoned. Mm. And that's very hard to do with whole hog, because... You know, if you imagine the whole animal, it still has its skin on it, right? So this, the any rub that you put on there doesn't penetrate, you know, right. through the skin. And mm-hmm. so this way, that tender, unctuous, sweet meat is seasoned when it's warm, and then it's literally weighed because this is done in a USDA facility. Mm-hmm. That's very important, um, and it was very important to me. That's also the big difference when you order it from a restaurant that's not a USDA facility. And then it's weighed, and it's put in these one-pound containers, frozen, and then it stays frozen like that until you order it. And when you order it, I pack it with a minimum of five pounds of dry ice. Another thing that was important to me, because that's the only way to make sure that it is as frozen when you get it as it was when it left the facility. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it is so super cool. So I've got a styrofoam cooler and... um, which I love because you can reuse it over and over and over again mm-hmm. for things. I don't use a cardboard box. There's no need to. So a lot of times when you order food, there's a styrofoam cooler and then a cardboard in box. box. Right. But instead, everything is packed into this cooler, and then it goes through a shrink wrap machine. And the <laughs> shrink wrap machine shrink wraps the cooler and um, the labels you know, underneath the shrink wrap film, and then it comes to your house. How cool. So we are having a family reunion in August, and I'm already like, how <laughs> are we going to make turning. this happen? So cool. Um, because I, I, it's a party that I want to attend. And you know, as a cook, right? often you get sucked into catering things or cooking for your family, and then suddenly the party's over, and you're like, I did hey, the wh- dishes what? all day. <laughs> right. And you know what's so great about this? So the difference between shoulder meat and whole hog is that you know, in a whole hog, you have, you have the belly, and you have the ribs, and you have the tenderloin all mixed in with the shoulder or the ham or the drier parts. And Mm. so the texture of this barbecue is so soft and so tender. It's just, you know, I can't believe I grew up my whole life eating Western-style barbecue because (laughs) this is just, you take a bite and it just transports you to a whole nother barbecue place. It really does. But the great thing is when you get it, you you can thaw one pound or you can thaw everything that you ordered. You do not microwave it. Even on my instructions, I say, please do not microwave this slow-cooked pork. It will ruin it. But you just put it in the oven in a casserole dish that has a lid so it can very slowly reheat. Mm -hmm. And I do give you a bottle of sauce, of my special sauce, um, 
with it so that you can make the coleslaw. Because in North Carolina, the coleslaw is just very simple. Chopped green cabbage, not purple, green cabbage. (laughs) Um, And it's dressed with the same vinegar sauce that you put on the meat. And then you serve that on a classic white hamburger bun. No sesame seeds allowed. (laughs) Potato roll? Yes. That would be okay? Acceptable? Yes. And I actually ship my meal kits with Martin's potato rolls. Oh, okay. There you we, go. We, I'm, we eat August, a lot of up. Martin's potato rolls in my house. <laughs> They're the best. They're and the, best. the perfect texture. Yep. They Have you had their new raisin bread? They have started making a raisin bread with no high fructose corn syrup in it, which is Pepperidge Farm uses. And it's like a childhood comfort food of mine. Then Martin's... I, I mean, I eat it at least a slice a day. I it's, actually make bread pudding, sweet potato bread pudding with that exact raisin bread. It's I mean, great. Wait, okay. So tell me about your sweet potato bread pudding. <laughs> Okay, well, so you know, the problem, I think, with bread pudding a lot of times is that it's dry. Like, mm-hmm. you get that perfect bite that has, you know, all that cinnamon, and, and if you like raisins, and I do use raisin bread for mine, so there's raisins in mine, and um, it's soft, and it's just full of flavor. It just pops in your mouth, and then, you know, you dig through it again, and you kind of get these dried-out pieces yeah. of bread, mm-hmm. right? So using sweet potato in the custard adds real body to the bread pudding, right? So that you have something besides eggs and milk have a tendency just to kind of be absorbed by the bread and, you know, dry out actually. But because the sweet potato has a little bit more um, fiber and oomph to it, when you mix that with the custard, it just keeps everything so moist and, you know, I happen to love sweet potatoes. I love sweet potatoes. And then you can kind of convince yourself, like, well, I'm getting, like, <laughs> fiber and beta carotene. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. I've had, some, I've had several really bad experiences trying to make bread pudding just from memory. Like, oh, I had this leftover bread. I'll just put together a quick custard. And it's exactly that experience. Like, the custard part's usually pretty good. But then you get to this bread that's like, nope, to the chickens. Well, try adding add a, a sweet potato. Now, you, I, I really recommend baking Sweet potatoes, not boiling them. Agreed, yeah. Um, Because it intensifies flavor and you get better texture. And just bake them until they can just sort of slip out of their skins. Yep. I will tell you that I tried when my son was just starting to eat solid food, so about a year and a half ago, um, I tried to microwave a sweet potato (laughs) because, you know, he was an infant and I have a microwave for, like, you know, steaming frozen vegetables. And I hit the potato button and I just let let it go and, like, made sure my kid didn't plug anything in and I suddenly smelled this like like the house was suddenly filled with smoke and I didn't know that I thought I don't know what I thought I thought it would be like a steam environment inside the microwave I open up the door and this black billow of smoke comes out and the only thing left of the sweet potato was the jacket and it was like a charred cavern it was completely incinerated so do not trust the potato button moral of the story Turn on the oven, throw Some it in. It's worth the forty-five minutes, whatever it is. Button. Oh, I was like, <laughs> and then I like I was alone with this baby, so I didn't have anybody to show it to, and I was like, I can't believe that. I didn't know microwaves could do that kind of thing. Right. Well, I'm sure microwaves can do everything. I use it to heat up milk. Yeah, yeah, for melting chocolate. No, for coffee. Oh. Occasionally for melting chocolate. I, you know, I, I I love a double boiler. I grew up in a double boiler home. So I love, love, love them. And I mean the real double boiler, not putting a bowl in hot water, right? Right, right, right. And um, in fact, you know, most people's first, you know, piece of cooking equipment probably was a skillet. Mine was a double boiler. <laughs> and, um, 
And so I've always done that. And Rose Levy Barenbaum, who I'm sure you both know, is a very good friend. And she she swears by doing tons of things in the microwave. So I just started making ganache by heating up milk in the microwave. And it's so simple. That was our, growing up, my mother was a really big baker. And that was her go-to for making ganache. So, listen, Chef, we have to take a quick break. Okay. Um, when we come back, I want to talk to you about your entrepreneurial life and some of the other projects that you work on outside the kitchen. Okay, great. program was brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards and Sons. Edwards Suriano hams are aged to perfection for no less than 400 days and hickory smoked to achieve a deep mahogany color. The Edwards name is well known for its world-class aged and cured meats. Their exclusive curing and aging recipe produces a unique flavor profile that enhances the quality characteristics of Berkshire pork. Optimum amounts of pure white fat marbling contribute to a flavor that's a delicate, perfect balance between sweet and salty. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. Welcome back to Sharp and Hot. I am your host, Chef Emily Peterson, broadcasting to you live from Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Joining us today in the studio is Chef Elizabeth Carmel behind carolinaq2go.com, an online barbecue retail shop and author of books and restaurant restaurateur. I got sharp shot for saying restaurateur. Mm-mm. It is restaurateur, and I was called out publicly by someone in an audience during a Q&A section for Who a thing that I was... Who even knows that? <laughs> I have... Guys... No, I definitely thought well, it was restaurateur. And you know well. what? <laughs> you know what? Everybody <laughs> pronounces things their own way. Everyone has an accent. <laughs> so I mean, I live in New York City with this accent. Every single day, someone asks me where I'm from. Yeah. You know? Yeah. See, and I get asked where I'm from because people think I'm from the Midwest. And I'm like, nope, born bred New Yorker. So funny. Yeah. I'll tell you also, just while I'm on the subject, uh, a listener wrote in to, I think, info at heritageradionetwork.org. Okay. She is an avid listener and just wanted to point out what last week when we were talking about scallops, I said mm-hmm. adduct- abductor muscle. It is adductor muscle, and she wanted me to know. And I oh, right. fully appreciate it. And Thank I want listener. listeners to know, Sh- yeah. Chef Emily at sharpenhot.com, you can send those straight to me. <laughs> Otherwise, it goes to my boss, correction. and then my boss sends me my your corrections. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm mostly, I'm almost entirely kidding um i don't have her name at the top of on my i meant to put it on the show sheet and i didn't but thank you and yes words are hard is uh, i think the uh, words are outcome hard. words are hard so speaking of words how many uh you have a pizza on the grill which is coming out in its second edition right it, it came out um about six months ago in its second edition and which was so exciting because pizza on the grill is now kind of a thing yeah but um when i wrote the first book, Pizza on the Grill, with um, one of my best friends, Bob Bloomer, who is also <laughs> a cookbook author, and um, and he's got a bunch of TV shows on the Food Network. 
in Canada. Anyway, when we wrote that book, it was kind of because it was um, a passion project. And writing books can be a very solitary experience. And and we kind of met and bonded over grilled pizza many, many years ago when it wasn't a thing. And so we were so excited that the book was so popular that um, we had to do another edition. And one of the things that we did is um, create a gluten-free crust. Because the interesting thing in this world of celiac and gluten sensitivities is that 99.9% of all of the toppings that we love on pizza are naturally Mm gluten-free. But the big stumbling block for people who don't want to eat gluten is that crust. Um, And I have no gluten sensitivities, and neither does Bob. But we have very good friends who um, do. And so we really wanted to make a crust that would really impress them. And what that means is that it becomes sort of a neutral canvas. Because what you want to taste is the toppings. Right. You know? And um, I'm pleased to say that after six months, we we did create it. It does not taste vegetal. Many of those crusts taste very vegetal, at least to me. Does it stretch like regular pizza dough? It does not stretch like regular pizza dough. And that was the thing that we finally had to realize is because there's no gluten in it, there is no stretch. But if you pre-cook it and, and, you know, very gently sort of press it out on the back of a sheet pan and then, and then let it set by cooking it a little bit in the oven, then it behaves just like any other crust. Huh. Can you tell me what the flour is? What's the base? Well, I will tell you. It, we use cup, cup for cup. Which, is, which was developed by Thomas Keller's Pastry Chef. Okay. And now you can get it everywhere. At the time that we um, created it, the only place you could get it was either from their website or from Williams-Sonoma. But now you can get it in every grocery store, cup huh. for cup. And the reason that I recommend using that is unless you're really going to become a gluten-free pastry chef, it, it doesn't make sense to go out and buy five or six different kinds of flowers. And the xanthan, you still have to buy the xanthan gum. I mean, a lot of that you can't find anywhere. You have to buy it online or or whatnot. And if there's a product out there that already has combined all of these things that works really well, I say go for it. Right. Agreed. And props to the entrepreneurial pastry chef to be like, you know what we should do is batch this and sell it. Put a <laughs> sticker on it <laughs> from Bouchon Bakery. Because they did it way before the craze. Yeah. They did it way before the craze. So you are also working with the Food and Finance High School in New York City, and education is a huge passion of mine. I teach it, teach food studies at two different universities in the New York City area. This is a program for high school students. This is a program for high school students, and anytime I get to choose where my charity money goes, I try to um, give a nod to the Food and Finance High School. It is a fantastic school. It's small. It's local. It's in... West, you know, West sort of midtown, I guess, close to Chelsea. And um, it's a school that's available for kids who want to learn a trade. And, um, you know, they actually learn culinary skills. There's a whole aquaculture program. They they raise catfish. They have a, a garden on the roof, which is great. So if somebody, you know, is really bitten by the learning bug and wants to go on to culinary school, there are lots of programs and scholarships that, you know, give them that opportunity. But if somebody needs to work when they graduate and they're 18 years old, 
this gives them real skills for them to be able to get a job. You mentioned um, keeping your your charity dollars close to home. I'm going to use that as a perfect segue to tell everyone that today Heritage Radio Network launched yes. our Kickstarter project. Congratulations. Thank you. It's it is a cool. really big deal. Um, we have had the, basically the same website for five years, and it is very much time for a new one. <laughs> and we have found a partner in Operation CMYK, which is a great web team that's based in Brooklyn. And they are building us this incredibly modern, sleek, user-friendly, using all the, like, the way the web has evolved. We're going to be back right. on the cutting edge of that again. And we need our listeners' support to make that happen. We, uh, I'm going to tweet out the... I just tweeted out the Kickstarter link right before the show started because I backed it. There was an early gift to get an HRN custom-designed T-shirt. Yeah. 50 bucks. I'm getting one of those. Very excited. Uh, and... We are already, but as the show started, $8,600 of a $35,000. It's really, I mean, it just like totally warms my heart that people mm -hmm. are like, hey, here's 50 bucks. Here's five bucks. Here's $500. Right. And we have gifts at every level for people to uh, participate in being part of the tribe. We and just crossed 9,000. We just crossed 9,000. Right. Engineer Jack, this is huge. Kickstarter like really puts anxiety in me because if you don't raise the the full amount of money in the allotted amount of time, you don't get anything. So it would all be for naught. I'm we are on the first day and we are smoking. I'm really excited. I think that's way. great. Yeah. Definitely and the exciting. thing that people should know is even if all they have is five dollars, that five dollars will go towards your campaign, right? It totally adds up. We are such a slim staff of paid mm -hmm. employees. It's a, it's like less than five people who are mm -hmm. paid. Everybody else is a volunteer. All the hosts are volunteers. The board is volunteer. And we all are here because we love it and we are passionate about this project. And so if you have five bucks to give, that $5 gets put into this pot. And the next thing you know, we're at $9,100. Then we're at ninety five, Then we're at 10000 And I'm just really super excited to be part of something that people feel so strongly about, which is exciting. That's so, so great. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled. And again, it's local. It's like... We're on the internet, and like every, we can be in everybody's kitchen. I've, I read a statistic that most people listen to podcasts when they're doing their dishes <laughs> or on their commute. So we are either in your ears on the train or we are in your ears literally in your kitchen, and we are here to entertain you and bring you a brand new storefront. Yeah, and I just think it's cool because I think it allows, like, when you contribute, you are part of that community, and I think it is interactive, and I think the website overhaul is just going to be very, very cool for that. I'm excited. I can't wait to get my T-shirt. That's what I'm trying to do after the show. You got hope. There's, yeah, there was. Yeah. I got number eleven of fifty because it was All a little right. bit, or maybe it was and 11 then a race of 30. with you guys. Then yeah, we're right, yes. cool. okay. So uh, head over to Kickstarter.com. You can search Heritage Radio Network. I tweeted out the short link uh, just before the show started. If you want to email me about my question, oh, Chef, did you have any input on my? Uh, my truffle oil conundrum. <laughs> Do I need an apology to formally apologize to this person for being a dummy? No. I mean, first of all, I'm sort of like you. I am painfully honest, and I tell everyone, if you don't want my opinion, don't ask the question. So that's, that's number <laughs> that's one. a good but, life rule. <laughs> but she didn't ask the question. Somebody else was sort of stirring the pot a little bit. So I think you should let it go. Okay. And, um, and then my only feeling about truffle oil and truffle salt is that so many people love it and enjoy it. And if it gets them to cook at home and if it gets them to love their food, whether they're making popcorn or whether they're, you know, putting a little, you know, drizzle or a little bit of truffle salt on an egg or some asparagus, then I think they should use it. I mean, you know, um, truffle, truffle oil is sort of one of those things that 
right now is, you know, anyone who is a chef or in the, you know, in the food world sort of loves to hate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you're right, though. If it gets people right. in the kitchen and it's something that they're fired up about, then by all means... By all means, use it. Do you? Do you? Do you? Yeah. Do you? You, you, do you. Do you. They do, you. do that. Yeah. <laughs> we have a framed print. Uh, my, so I mentioned my sister-in-law went to Alabama University, and so we have a framed Nick Saban quote that says, "You do, uh, do who, do what you do, and be who you are." All and right. that's like our family motto. So right. Uh, thank you so much, Chef, for coming into the studio. It was studio. my pleasure. It was great. It's Carolina Q to go. And you are Girl at the Grill on Twitter? Right? I am Grill Girl on Grill Twitter. Girl. On Twitter. And Elizabeth Carmel on Instagram. I'm just now getting inst- into Instagram. I love it. Isn't it fun? Oh, it's so great. It's the picture really, is really worth fun. The, you know, way more than 140 characters, right? <laughs> I will follow you as soon as we get off the air. Until next week, everybody, go to kickstarter.com, become a backer, join our little tribe. And uh, you can reach me at Chef Emily P and Chef Emily P. Peterson at sharpandhot.com. Till next week, keep playing with fire and knives. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 